Our scripture reading for today is from Colossians chapter 1, verses 3 through 14. So please follow along. There are Bibles at the ends of the pews. If you don't have one, it'll also be on the screen. We always thank God, the Father of our Lord Jesus Christ, when we pray for you. Since we heard of your faith in Christ Jesus and of the love that you have for all the saints, because of the hope laid up for you in heaven. Of this you have heard before in the word of the truth, the gospel, which has come to you, as indeed in the whole world it is bearing fruit and increasing, as it also does among you, since the day you heard it and understood the grace of God in truth. Just as you learned it from Epaphras, our beloved fellow servant, he's a faithful minister of Christ on your behalf, and has made known to us your love in the spirit. As so from the day we heard, we have not ceased to pray for you, asking that you may be filled with the knowledge of his will in all spiritual wisdom and understanding, so as to walk in a manner worthy of the Lord, fully pleasing to him, bearing fruit in every good work and increasing in the knowledge of God, being strengthened with all power according to his glorious, glorious might for all endurance and patience with joy, giving thanks to the Father who has qualified you to share in the inheritance of the saints in light. He has delivered us from the domain of darkness and transferred us to the kingdom of his beloved son in whom we have redemption, the forgiveness of sins. It's me again, wearing a different hat. So today, uh, we're gonna be in the second Sunday of the book of Colossians. Um, and we started last week with the supremacy and the aspect in the introduction to this book. So I will not go into details today, but I do wanna go into verses three to 14. And there are three highlights that we're gonna look at today. And when we think about it and we begin to dig in into the Bible, think about ways that we can be thankful as a church, as a community, but also as individuals. And I know personally, you don't have my notes in front of me or you can see my notes, but I usually will put like, be thankful, say thank you. Because sometimes I'm in do mode and I always forget to be thankful for what God is doing in my life, uh, which is doing amazing things. But it's just, it's very hard sometimes with the businesses of life or how we're doing ministry all together to be, pause for a second and be thankful for what is doing. So today, we want you to begin to think about how is God working locally, how is God working globally through the church, but also how is God working through us. So there will be three sections to it, and I'll be, uh, you have the Bible verses, so I won't read them again. But when Paul writes to the, to the church, he begins to, on verse number three, he says, be thankful, be thankful for this and that. And I am praying because of the things that I have witnessed through you in Christ. Now, when we are beginning to think about what are we doing or what are we not doing, we always think about my efforts. Are we doing enough? Are we doing what we're supposed to? But Paul in verse number three and four, he says, look, be thankful because God is doing these amazing things through you, the church. And one of the things that captured uh, my, when I was reading this, is the notion that the faithfulness, obedience of the gospel overflows so much in love that it was tangible in terms of relationship with one another. The church, say, was so thankful and so loving and so obedient to the gospel that it was giving fruits left and right. 
Now, for years, I had a garden in my house. Originally, when I bought the house, I wanted to have a peach tree. I wanted to have an apple tree. I wanted to have a pear tree. I wanted this notion that my house would be just filled with fruits and I can go and eat them. 10, 12 years later, only the pear tree gave fruit twice in that time. Everything else did not give any fruits. And sometimes we feel that as Christians, we're not giving enough fruits. I wanted to do a vegetable garden. I wanted to have tomatoes and peppers and zucchinis and all this stuff. And I learned about the stink bugs and how they destroyed everything. And I was just like, you know what? I'm not doing that. Or the deers, right? And sometimes we just can't do things and we recognize how God is working. But when we read verse 3 and 4, Paul is reminding the church be thankful for what God has done through me or through Christ in others. Now the question is, but that's Galatians. That's so long ago. But what about us today locally? What are we thankful at the well, as a church, for what God is doing? You might be like, I don't know. If I were to give you an exercise right now to write three things that the church is doing locally where the abundance of obedience has flown so much that the gospel is thriving, you'd be like, I honestly can't say. But let me give you a concise list. Think about, for one second, the impact of the community groups that you attend or are part of. Think about those relationships that you're having once a month and the community meals and how you're getting to see different facets of the individuals at those community meals. The struggles, the joys, the blessings, Maybe some of the interpersonal relationship struggles with their kids or the, or the husbands or the co-workers. Think about those are the moments you begin to know them just a little bit more and how the gospel has redeemed them over the years. Or think about the 3D meetings you're having on a weekly basis or bi-weekly meetings. I always share the, the I, I, I participate or I go to our 3D group. And it's funny because they meet on the day that I'm off, which is Friday. Friday is my Saturday, Saturday is my Sunday. And then when we were discussing where are the meetings, they were like, well, it's a 7 o'clock in the morning. I was like, that is ungodly, right? How can someone wake up so early in the morning and have a 3D? So I joke, I said, I cannot commit to go to the 3D on my day off on Friday at 7 o'clock in the morning. And guess what? For the last two months, God has been waking me up at 5 o'clock so I wouldn't be late, okay? Um, so, and when we go to that 3D meetings, right, people come in and then we share. We say, how was your week? How's work? How's your child? How's your blah, blah, blah? And then we begin to hear some of those personal struggles. That is another way that the gospel is working through us in our church. Or think about the outreach ministries. Right now, the vulnerable children are collecting books and toys that is going to be an overflow of the obedience to the gospel to local communities. Or think about Title I schools. They're going to be um, planting trees and planting flowers and cleaning weeds out in Harmony Hills next Saturday. Or think about the refugees where they created or furnished an entire apartment where Willis and a couple other teams, uh, Caleb and some uh, Andrew, they took a sofa 10 floors or 10 flights of steps. Think about the love that overflow into that community, into that particular apartment. Or think about the refugees, or think about the rebuilding team. Last year, we had a team that went out and cleaned a house, repaired broken windows, uh, did a lot of stuff just to share the love of Christ in that family. 
Or think about the young individuals that are connecting somehow or serving. We got Caleb working in AB some Sundays. He's going to go to off college, but right now he's plugged in and helping with AV. Or Judah taking pictures or taking pictures for Eastern, another way the obedience to overflow in the gospel. Or think about our family ministry right now. Think about when you serve there and you volunteer, your smile, your interaction with the students are having an everlasting effect on that child. There's a child in our congregation that she has been coming for about a month. She has special needs. And the way that the teachers have embraced her in love and just care for her where her parents don't have to be worried, that's the reason why they stuck around the church. The way that we interacted with her child. Or think about the student ministry and the discipleship programs that we have so we can better prepare them for the outgoing world. Or think about Connect Cafe. Think about the donuts and the bagels. And think about the tea and the chocolate and the coffee that allows us not to run when the service is done, but to stick around and strike a conversation with a stranger. How are you? Who are you? Are you connected in the community group or 3D group? Come or let's go out and eat. There's a young couple here that on, they came in the summer. And they say the reason why they stuck around because we were having the summer lunches after church. One of the couples took them out to eat, and they were able to be plugged in. So think about those little things that we might do or decide not to do, but in essence, that is how God is working through us to connect with other individuals. You already heard about the stories about going on mission trips and some of the things. A couple months ago, and I think it was a Sunday like today, I preach, I'm exhausted, I go outside to get a break, and then all of a sudden this young man comes up to me, he says, I need to talk to you. And I'm like, great. Uh, I'm here just to breathe, to get some oxygen to my brain, to do this up again. And right on the spot he says, I have a problem with pornography. It was the first time he came to church. He felt comfortable to tell me about his struggles. What's interesting, two weeks earlier, I had the same conversation with someone else. And I said, give me a second. I'm not running away from you. I'm just going to connect with this other individual so both of you can work together through your struggles. Those little conversations, that smile just going out of your way is another way that we are being obedient to the gospel and oversharing in terms of the love. But Paul is not just focused on the impact locally. He goes on in verses 3 and 4. He says, there is an effect taking place, not just locally, but throughout the entire world that is giving fruits all over the place. Think about this. The church here in this particular city was so abundantly in obedience to love that they're not only showing love to one another as a congregation, but the love is so great that it's giving fruits throughout the region to the point that even today, 100 years later, 1,000 years later, we're still receiving that love that started in that particular location. The ripple effect of spreading wider and wider that love in the gospel, that impact has reached us in Silver Spring even today. But how is it reaching globally? We just heard Andy talk about India and some of the things that will always be in his mind. Seven days from now, we're taking a team of 17 individuals to Kenya. Half of them are children. 
And think about how their lives will forever be altered by the experience of going on a mission trip. To give you a couple numbers, how our church has begun to fruit, uh, give fruits globally. In 2002, which is last year, only seven people went on a mission trip. In 2023, we, had, we have 17 people going to Kenya. We had three people that went to Paraguay, three people that went to India, and 12 individuals that went to Costa Rica. Do the math, that's a lot of people. That's about 35 or so individuals. But what's more interesting about the individuals, if you begin to think about who they are and what they do and what community groups they are tapped in and what 3D groups they are tapped into, the impact is even greater. Another number that you should think about, out of all these individuals that are going, most of them raised support for the first time this year. Over 100 people gave for them to go on a mission trip. That comes out to roughly about $40,000 that was donated for these families and these individuals to go on mission trip. Furthermore, most of these individuals don't even come to our church. They send letters, emails, texts, and that those texts spread out through the entire United States and the individuals felt compelled as a result of obedience to the gospel to give. Some gave as little as $25. Some gave more than $2,500. Think about it. 35 individuals representing some households. All of a sudden, the impact in terms of just sharing what God is doing in their life, share with more individuals, and they felt compelled to give. You probably will never know this, but there are two individuals that for the last year and a half, they don't even come to the church they have been giving faithfully $50 monthly, $25 to Kenya, $25 to India. For the last year and a half, they've been giving without knowing how the money is going to utilize, how the money is going to be given, or who's going to benefit it. They have been giving it faithfully every single month for an entire year and a half. I even sent an email out and I said, thank you for the gift. How do you want us to proceed with this money? Silence the money continues to come in on a monthly basis. One of the things that I'm trying to change as the missions director is how do we invest? Who do we invest and how the money is being utilized? So when I came in, I interviewed uh, with the elders, I interviewed with Elijah, Mario, and uh, Neil, and one of the things was, what is your long-term plan? What are you guys doing? Tell me what the church has in terms of future. And I noticed it wasn't much. It was like, we're in Kenya, we're in India. That's it, we're content. I was like, dude, you're wasting my time. If you want me to come here, you have to allow me to expand and be able to create more opportunities. What's interesting, in a less than a year and a half now, we're beginning to have discussions of where God is taking us. So in 2023, we have four countries that we're going in. In 2024, based upon the discussions that I'm having with individuals, we might end up going to six or seven different places. Why? Not because of something that I'm doing. It's because God is moving through us, and we feel compelled to respond in obedience to the gospel. Just let me give you a quick example. Once again, I go out to breathe between services. doesn't mean you should not come and talk to me, but if I go outside, because I need oxygen, right? I go out, and this guy goes, Hi, my name is so-and-so, and I'm from this particular church, and I'm leading a trip to Arizona in a couple of months. I was like, we should talk. We should talk. And then I noticed someone was just hovering around our conversation. And I was like, he wants to talk to me. So I finished the conversation, 
Switch over to the other individual. He goes, I'm working for a nonprofit that deals with water in developing countries. We should talk. God is moving. God is moving through us, through you, for the gospel. And the question is, what or how? Right? How is it going to move through me? How is it going to move through our church locally and globally? Another example of how God is moving and why we should be thankful over and over again to what we're doing. For the last year and a half, there's been 11 women meeting on a regular basis in Kenya. There are wives of pastors, and one of them is a pastor. For a year and a half, they've been mentoring and discipling each other. So when I find out, I said, look, I want to come out as, along with the church and give them a blessing, give them an offering. And I said, I want to give them $300 per woman at the end of that completion of that year and a half of discipleship. So they finished the discipleship, and now they're in the process of, like, what are they going to do? What are the proposals? What are the micro-projects that we're going to sponsor? So we're collaborating with them. We're consulting with them. We're giving them ideas. And there's a young lady or a woman known Miss Mubule. Mubule. And Miss Mubule has this idea. She already has a business where she sells dry products, dry foods, uh, dry fish, tomatoes. And she's asking for the incredible amount of $50 to expand her business. $50. She feels if she has $50, she can provide more for her family, free up her husband to go out and preach the gospel. And I said, let's give her 100 But she can tap into $300. 11 women in 11 different villages, 11 different homes that are going to be blessed through the church, through Christ, so the gospel can spread immensely through Kenya. In a matter of weeks or days, we're going to be there and seeing how the gospel is flourishing in Kenya. But Paul continues, and he says, what other ways can we be thankful? Well, we know the gospel is producing fruits around the world, but how else is the gospel spreading? And when we think about the church today, when we think about it in Silver Spring, Paul writes the following things. He says there are four things that Christ has done and where his supremacy has been manifested. And one of the ways that we begin to see through, uh, let's see the slides. Right there. So there are four ways that I want you to underline verses 12, 13, and 14. When we begin to think about the four ways are the following things. What Paul is thankful is, in verse number 12, if you read it with me, he says that he qualified them. Who qualified? Our God qualified them to share the inheritance of the saints. Underline the word qualified. Think about how God is qualifying his church today. Think about in what ways the church is being qualified. Paul goes in verse number 13 and says, He delivered them from the domains of the darkness, in verse number 13. He transferred them to the kingdom of his long son, verse number 13. And lastly, in verse 14, he has redeemed them and forgiven them of their sins. But that's Paul in that particular church. But to make it more personal, ask yourself, in what four ways has Christ manifested his love for you? In what four ways are you thankful for the things that God is doing in you through Jesus Christ for the spread of the gospel? 
And I can only think of myself, how God has qualified me and has given me a share of the inheritances of the saints. God has made me his son so I can be doing the work of the saints. Think about you, each of us here that have chosen and have accepted Jesus Christ as his Lord and Savior, he has qualified us. It's not about how smart we are. It's not about how many degrees that we have. It's not about how much money we have. It's the fact that he has qualified us and he has made us part of his kingdom. What are the things that God has delivered you from? If you go through your life and you think about a movie, you think about all the different scenarios where God has protected you, delivered you from your own selfish deeds, from your ego, your wrong directions, your own decisions, think about the ways that God has rescued you and delivered you from the domain of darkness. We just heard in India, there is this spiritual warfare taking place where you go into villages and you don't know how the devil has a grip in those villages. In what way the devil is going to manifest and attack the believers are going through to spread the gospel. You don't know, so you go in blindly, in many cases, ill-equipped to deal with spiritual warfare. But think about here in Washington, D.C. and Silver Spring and our surroundings. Think about all the places that we're moving around and feel a sense of, well, I'm just a Christian I go to church, I confess Christ sometimes, maybe, maybe not. I'm vocal about my religion. Maybe I post a Bible verse in social media or not. But in what ways has God transferred you or delivered you from the domains of darkness? His supremacy has transferred me from a kingdom of darkness to a kingdom of eternal life. And one of the things that I, I came to conclusion many years ago, I'm like, God chose a path for me. Many years ago, from being a kid in El Salvador, coming here to Silver Spring, to go into University of Maryland, that had no right or should have ever been there. I'm not the smartest or the brightest. I was undocumented. had no clue what the heck I was doing. I started with a 2.6 GPA and ended up with a 3.7 GPA, not knowing exactly what the heck I was doing. I didn't know what SAT was. Even to this day, I don't even know how to write correctly. But what was God's purpose? What was God's purpose in all of this? Well, he wanted me to go around the world and see how God is moving through different parts. Be able to share with other individuals and say, you can do it. You're as me, ill-equipped, weak. We don't have the words. We don't have the skill sets. But let God work through you. His supremacy has redeemed all of us and has forgiven us, not just from one sin, but from all sins. Amen? That is the reason why you and I should be thankful. That is the reason why we should be on fire for the gospel. That's the reason that we should be boasting and joyful and claiming the gospel because he rescued us, he transferred us, he cleansed us, he gave us inheritance, he has redeemed us, and more importantly, has forgiven us from our sins. And we began to understand what the gospel does in my life, in your life, through the church, then we can say, yes, I'm not ready to go to Ukraine, but you know what? Right, Rhoda? 
Uh-huh. We're not ready to go to Ukraine. I had a conversation yesterday with a non-believer, and I said, you want to come with me to Ukraine? He's like, nope. Can you pick somewhere else that is not that crazy? I'm like, Ukraine is a piece of cake. We go through Romania, go from the south, go all the way up to Kiev. Not a problem. It's like, nah, I'm not going. But we begin to think about the gospel in different aspects and different facets. And maybe not all of us are called to go to Ukraine, but we're definitely all called to preach the gospel and share the gospel wherever we are. So there's a little email that I got several months ago or a couple weeks ago of a young lady, a college student. And I'll ask the worship team to come up as I read the email. And this email is about, probably you have never seen her. She hasn't come in a couple of weeks. Uh, she's a college student at Maryland. The, you know, uh, we as a church gave her some money to go to Costa Rica. And this is what she wrote, which captures the entire essence of the sermon. It says, as incredible as it was to share my faith and see the newfound hope that many of the families had, I was also extremely encouraged in my own faith over the course of this trip. After repeatedly presenting the gospel more than I ever had in my entire life, I realized that this message means just as much for me and my team as it does for the people and sharing it with. Specifically, my team may not be as financially impoverished as many of these individuals, but God reminds us that we are all impoverished people in need of a Savior. Additionally, God also revealed to me that he is already in work, in the life of so many people, and doesn't need our help in order to, for people to come to Christ. Rather, he extends an invitation to us to aid in accomplishing this work. It was really encouraging to see God pursuing the hearts of so many and to see what God is working in each and every one of our lives, whether we can see it in the present moment or not. Again, please spread my many thanks to the church for coming alongside my trip to Costa Rica through the very generous donation. The church contribution helped me bring life transformation to so many families, and I'm so beyond grateful. That is the reason why we do what we do, whether it's a trip to Costa Rica, to Kenya, to India, or go to the grocery store. The idea is that God doesn't need us. But God is using us to share the gospel. Let's close our eyes and pray. Father, we thank you for the opportunity to be on mission with you. Thank you for allowing us to participate, to share the gospel, to share the Lord love, to be in obedience, Father. We pray that the fruit is not just locally, but also globally. We pray, Father for eternal salvation, for forgiveness of sin. We pray, Father, for our children. We pray for our families, our co-workers, our friends to be delivered, Father, from the gates of hell. Father, use us. Let the Holy Spirit guide us. Let us be bold to share the gospel. Thank you again, Father, for the opportunity to be obedient to your gospel and the love to overflow to others. In the name of Jesus, we pray. Amen.